Welcome to Young for My Age, a show that explores aging and ageism in a world obsessed with youthfulness. I'm your co-host, Kelly Anderson. And I'm co-host, Andrea Barker. It's time we had a conversation about the fears, joys, and unknowns around aging. So join us as we dismantle the myths and societal norms, and hopefully we have a little fun along the way. So you two already met, obviously. That's wonderful. Virtually. It is. It's really nice to see you again. Thanks for. Thanks yeah, for I, you know, I, I'm channeling. I'm remembering that we're sitting in the dark, Kelly, in this bus. The people around us are pretty drunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Leanne and I had monitored ourselves at the wine tasting. <laughs> Other folks, not so much. So much. I almost died when the next day, the person who officiated was the person sitting in front of me who was lap dancing with her partner. Oh, was the- that her? Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. That's so great. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, heavens. <laughs> I just don't know what to think of this. And that's where, okay, young for my age. That's where I went, I guess I'm getting really old. Because <laughs> I'm getting to that point, like an old person. like, I don't yeah. think that's appropriate, dear. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> So to the, so did you catch yourself when you started doing that? Were oh, you like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> don't think that way. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Kelly, to that point. Yeah. Leanne and I literally sat next to each other on a bus back from wine tasting at a friend's wedding. We didn't, yeah. we hadn't, we did not know each other at all. Um, right. And we just dove, we dove deep. It was yeah. awesome. I think facilitated by the darkness, facilitated by the fact that we had a wonderful, wonderful mutual friend. Yeah. Um, and, and the just- occasion. I mean, the occasion, my son kind of warned me of this beforehand. He said, look, mom, you know, when you go to something that is freighted with so much emotion, mm-hmm. you're going to feel something, <laughs> you know, you're going to tap into something and, you know, be prepared for that because I mean, when you're divorced for one thing, right. What you might tap into is grief and loss, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, I mean, I, you know, I think our heads were in a very special space, um, but I also I think we had a true connection. And, oh, and absolutely. For that. I mean, I feel like you opened your heart and I hope I did the same. And that was very meaningful. Very, very meaningful. It was a great, it was really a great uh, moment. I, I feel like I'd, I'd been kind of elevated all night as far as spending time with like a lot of people that I knew really well. And but it was, you know, I mean, we, some of us were getting pretty deep, but it was still pretty like scattered, you know, you're trying to keep up. I was talking to a group of like 10 and trying to keep up with everybody. I'm very much a one-on-one person. So I think the opportunity to sit down on the bus, like next to you and actually have someone that was down to be one-on-one with me back was the big the difference there, you know, plus a 30 minute drive where we were the only sober ones. so leanne welcome to young for my age (laughs) awesome thank you for having me very kind of you i'm very excited well it was it was definitely that conversation that spawned uh this desire to have you on here um not only your perspective and and just the conversation you know from that conversation we had but that I think one of the big things that that hit me was hearing you, and I've reiterated this to a couple of different people, and Kelly was one of them. I said, I sat next to this woman, and we had this amazing conversation that kind of turned to to aging and like our stages in life, and I found such a commonality between those between like what we were both feeling, and it and it, honestly to me, I was like, oh my gosh, like. It doesn't really matter what age you are. We are all pretty much experiencing the same thing. And especially as women, I think. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that put a big asterisk by that, that I, <laughs> um, I do think that the commonality is partly because as women, there are uh, very high expectations placed upon us at different stages of our life. And then suddenly- um, you're invisible. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. My biggest fear. My biggest, we've, Kelly and I have talked a lot about biggest fears and one of them is immobility. Like, I mean, as, as I'm talking to you about like my hip stuff, right. Right. Is immobility, but that is really like at the heart of what, of what I feel the older I get is like a little less valued. And Mm -hmm. that's it. Like, I'm so worried about becoming invisible. And the irony is other cultures really elevate older people in general and older women, especially. And, you know, even science is backing a lot of, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot that, you know, the role of grandmothers, like in, this sounds crazy, but in pods of orcas, you know, like um, it, it, that there are that in most, for most animals, elephants too, for most animals, especially the higher, larger brained mammals, the older females have this really important role to play. I mean, they're past their own childbearing age, but then they are caring for the young still. And I don't know, um, something about in the 20th century, something about the way that we live together and our communities are formed, especially in the United States, that got left behind. And I, and it's a shame. Um, and, you know, I, I walk around and I talk about my sister's 12 years older than I am. So she's fully into that, you know, post-retirement, et cetera. I'm still working. But I, I, I think about this a lot because um, if you try as a older mother, if you, if I mean, and if you try to assist your children in their child rearing or, you know, you, you know, make these offers, it's a, it's fraught because it's sort of like, don't displace your daughter-in-law. Don't, um, you know, don't spoil the child. Grandmothers spoil the child, you know, uh, don't um, interfere in their parenting. I mean, not that, you know, my son and his wife have not had children yet, but so it's, I, I feel like we're, we're in a pretty gruesome catch 22 post. You guys are, you're fine. Post 50. <laughs> I think it, it, it hits after 50. <laughs> I mean, we have, we have changed like the way that we live and, and Kelly, feel free to jump in here, but yeah, we live in such a nuclear family setup. Right. Um, I think uh, as I've considered having children and talked to my partner a lot about that, we read, you know, we've read a couple of books and and one of the books that we read, the main premise of it was getting out of the, of the nuclear family to that, to having more, whether it's family or friends, just other adults around to help with that process. Because number one, it's a lot easier on you as a, as a couple dumb and because everything's not just on you, um, but also that it's way healthier. What I've, everything I've read is that it's way healthier for a child to be around a group of stable adults versus what happens, which is they're around these two adults all the time. And then as soon as possible, they're off with their peers and their peers are not stable. Right. <laughs> right. So, so we have this like very young generation being brought up by other peers that are their same age. And it's just doesn't, doesn't seem to be a super healthy thing, but to that um, point of feeling like in other cultures, feeling like that, that aged female, that, that grandmother, that aunt or whatnot is just so much more valued is it's kind of, that's how, I mean, that's how I want to live. It's, it's tough sometimes when you're surrounded with, with completely the opposite. Kelly, what are your thoughts on, on this whole topic? You're, I see you over there. Like your wheels are spinning. I can see it. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I was like transported back to a previous episode from last season where we were talking about the archetypes of maiden mother and crone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so curiously, and to get your perspective, like why has the crone archetype maybe like lost some of its value or why has society maybe like decided not to place as much value on the role of the crone. Well, don't you think the crone, I mean, even in its archetypal form, even if we go back to myth or fairy tales, has always had a a, um, a good and a bad side. Like it's always been portrayed like there's, you know, the wicked witch is one aspect of the crone, right? You know, sure. the, the witch in the forest who gives Snow White the poison apple. I mean, there's there's always been two sides to that archetype. 
um, which shows, I think, the ambivalence that at least in, you know, Western European and, and its descendants um, that we place on, on older women, that there's a fear because of the wisdom, I think, because of the knowledge, right? But I was thinking, like, this is only really two generations removed, at least in my case, because both my mom and my dad um, grew up with their let's see, maternal grandmothers in their homes, like lived with them until they died. Um, so this isn't very far, you know, this isn't all that far back in the past. It's, you know, uh, not even a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really something that I think transpired post-World War II. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it, I hate to say this, this is so grotesque, but a lot of it is capitalism in the sense that think about what got um, pushed on American society. We all need to live in our own individual, right? Small home in suburbia, you know, the Levittown model, um, just husband and wife and the children, the husband is to work, the mother is not to worry. I mean, those were not, that wasn't how society was built until just then, until like 1946 and forward. Um, and and I, I think it was never, I think we're really talking about a really slim um, segment of society. We're talking about um, mainly middle-class and more affluent white Americans. I mean, if you think about Black families, African-American families, very often the grandmother is the primary caregiver, mm -hmm. either because the mother has gone to work or the mother is not available or the father is not on the scene. I mean, but often kids are raised by their grandmothers. So it's, you know, we're, we're kind of within our own little bubble here in that sense. Um, but that doesn't get at why, we're, why older women aren't valued. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely remnants there. There's, there's certainly, um, the start, the, these like pieces of glass that we could probably put together that would tell this story, a lot of like what you're, what you're talking about, like that, that past. And it is fairly, it is fairly recent. Um, Leanne, when, when you're like, when you think about that and that idea of being, becoming invisible. Um, you're, you're an English teacher. I yeah. should have told Kelly, we should be very careful about how we speak. Cause Leanne's over here taking notes, no. giving us red, red marks. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> um, but when you think about that, that idea, like becoming invisible, when did you first feel that? Um, first, do you mind telling us how old you are? Is that okay? Oh, sure. I'll, I'll, I'm 64. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll be 65 on new year's Eve, um, this Fun. year. I know, isn't that? Um, and, um, you know, obviously divorce is um, something that pushes a woman out of um, having value. <laughs> um, even if, I mean, in some ways, like I built, um, I built a stronger identity post-divorce in terms of taking control of my own destiny, um, especially, can I point out my financial destiny <laughs> um, yeah. and, um, and, and sort of having um, a stronger sense of um, my role um, in terms of my son and his life. Um, but I tried dating and I had this hilarious episode, not so hilarious at the time, but in retrospect, um, where I was, it was just at the beginning of online dating. And at first I felt really intimidated by that. So I, there used, you know, there used to be like dating services where you paid a fee and they helped set you up with people, blah, blah, blah. So I went for an interview with this dating service and, you know, blah, they talked, asked me a bunch of questions and then asked me how old I was. And I said, well, I'm 47. And they're like, oh, just in time. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, you know, at 50, that's it. You oh won't have gosh. at 50. You don't, there's no way that you're going to find a partner. Would they have said that to a man? Not. No way. Of course no. not. You'd be 75 and a man. And that, of course, that was the other thing you discover that if you go on and, oh, I got rejected by OkCupid. So I was on match. Um, if you go on those 
the guys that hit you up are invariably at least 15 years older than you are. That's so interesting. So was that, so, so the, that moment, um, did you, first, did you go on any dates? I did. Yeah. Mostly they were grotesque. Really? Interesting. I I mean, isn't that true? I mean, I, you know, any, any woman, any age, like mostly it's, um, the men are rather feral. Mm, It's an interesting way to put it. And I, I can relate. I really can. Yeah. Yeah. All I, three I, of us have been, have been divorced. So this is obviously at different, you know, different ages and different phases in our lives. But Kelly, you and I have never really talked about this. Like what was, what was dating? Did I mean, I don't think you met Brian right away. Did you, or what was, what was dating like? Yeah. Like, I, I didn't date really. I think mm-hmm. I went on a couple of dates, uh, within that first year. Um, but I, I really spent a lot of that time healing and working as Leanne put it, working on self-identity and like, who do I get to be in this brand new beginning? What does this even look like and feel like? So truth be told, I haven't really been on the dating scene. Brian and I had been swimming in the same circle, um, long before we became a union. Mm. Um, so it's, it sort of unfolded naturally and there wasn't a whole lot of dating leading up to that. So I feel very like unequipped to, to even like give an opinion on what the dating world is. I can only imagine uh, at any age Mm. what that experience is for a lot of women. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely did dabbled in the online space. Um, First, it was like when I first got divorced, people came out of the woodwork that I was like, I thought we were just acquaintances or like friends or whatnot. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go on a date with you. Um, but it was interesting when I was, uh, when I was on the online, uh, world dating world. I mean, honestly, most of the people that were my age that I was, that I went on dates with were pretty boring. Um, I thought to myself, like, geez, if this is like my future, no, thank you. Um, boring. But, yeah. Just boring. Hey, just like people who were just so, so like set in their ways. And I thought to myself, like, if that's what, cause I was in my late thirties, I was like, if that's what thir- the thirties are, like, I'm just going to tap out. Like, that's not how I live my life. Right. And, and it's interesting because Kelly and I both ended up in with younger partners, like we're in age gap relationships. But, um, I think a lot of that had to do with that feeling of being much younger in the way we lived. And, and I, I don't know if that's a proper phrase, but that's the way phrase I'm going to use, like just in our energies, in our uh, outlook at the world, in the fact that we weren't going to subscribe to like this, this step, this step, and this step in order. Yeah. And I, I do feel like I experienced that um, moment of, oh my gosh, wait, so this is what people my age are doing right now. Like I am so not okay with that. Right. And so I gravitated toward more and more energetic, more um, youthful and joyful. Like, I think that's really what it comes down to. I feel like as you age, joy is, is easily lost. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, I think I just kind of put that together right now, to be honest. Yeah. You're making me sad though. (laughs) It's, it's really interesting. I even find myself being a little less joyful as I get older. Like I'm a little more jaded. And I have to catch myself. And thankfully I've got a partner who, who helps me catch myself. Um, I remember a conversation with him uh, several years ago where he said, you just don't trust anybody. And I was like, no, I don't like live long enough. And you just don't trust anybody. And he's like, I hope I don't live that long. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that took me a moment like to absorb that because I kind of got defensive, right? I was like, well, you just haven't had those experiences, blah, blah, blah. But but then I realized like, no, that he has had plenty of experiences. He just makes the choice Mm -hmm. to trust people and to like be be joyful in the way he lives. And I was definitely losing that. And I had to catch myself a lot. Um, but so Leanne, you said that makes you sad and it makes me a little bit sad too, but what, how do you see that play out in your life, in your life? This idea of losing joy. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause it, it, uh, comes right after I had a very long conversation 
with a colleague and a friend um, on Sunday, and she is a monk <laughs> and not a nun, a monk. Yes. Um, in the, so she's part of this, um, it's called Ananda and um, it's uh, it's a, it's, it, they talk about your spiritual journey, right? Um, and it's not, it's not exactly a church, but it combines the teachings of Jesus with the teachings um, of this yogi and it, and so it centers on Krishna and, but also, you know, takes from the Bible. Um, sorry. And um, anyway, that's, she kept talking about the reason why, cause I said, how did you ever even get involved? Right. And then get to the point where you were taking vows. And, and she kept talking about the joy, like that all she felt, um, she went to a few services and just the whole room, you know, the whole group of people, the whole congregation, there was just this level of joy. And um, I'm, I might go on Sunday because I'm curious, because what does that look like? Um, a whole group and, you know, maybe a, as many as 100 people, all of whom are sort of simultaneously experiencing just this sense of lightness. That's the other thing she kept talking about, feeling light. Um and I, I do think you're right that as we age, maybe because of responsibilities, right? And and this and being driven. Um, and I don't necessarily mean ambition driven, but driven by the shoulds and the musts. Mm. Um, that we we lose, we don't tap into that part of ourselves. I, I I the other thing I was reflecting on as you were talking is my sister and I talk about right up till she was pretty old, my mom, she loved the beach. And so the, she would pull up in the car at the beach, fling the door open and just go, you know, flying out barefooted into the beach. And and like all of us kids are still in the car. Right. You know, she hasn't sort of unbuckled anybody's seatbelt or. And so I, I think that uninhibited joy that comes from allowing yourself to be childlike. Right, mm. not childish, but childlike. Yeah. Sorry, my semantic English teacher thing. No, um, that's a very distinctive like difference. Yeah, right. If you can allow that, and a lot of us are self-censoring. We're you know we're um, embarrassed. We don't want to be seen as um, frivolous or childish. So we're fearful of allowing that joy to break through and just partaking in it. Um, I think we're. I think we're very cautious and especially now um, social media mm. in the social media realm, you know, we're all afraid of how we're going to be perceived and um, how, you know, we're always constantly sort of curating our own image. Not that I participate in social media, but I think that it leaks out to our general thinking. Yeah. Well, we're, we're all operating under this sort of unspoken, maybe even spoken rule from society that we must act our age. And hmm. the subtext of that is, okay, as we age, we must get more serious. We must be responsible. We must be wise with the decisions that we make and how we build our homes and the jobs that we have, that it doesn't really allow space for us to explore what joy really means to us. And like, I'm curious, like, why can't it be both? Like, why can't we be responsible with what we need to do in life and go run and jump into the ocean at full speed ahead? Like, why can't we do both of those things, regardless of how old we are? Uh, that's that's the most beautiful visual I have heard in a really long time, by the way, Leanne. <laughs> like, like, your mom sounds incredible. <laughs> She was a pretty, she was a pretty amazing lady. <laughs> oh, that's so neat. How do you, you know, uh, when, when I was listening to you, there was something when you said my sister and I talk, um, I have several, I have many sisters, so I'm, I'm, and Kelly has an older sister and I it, have been fascinated. I think one of the very first times I even thought about this idea of young for my age was when I started thinking about how, how all my sisters are also aging and we're like aging together, but it feels all weirdly familiar, you know, because you have such a familiarity with your sibling and it's odd when one, every once in a while you step back and you see them as right. like this, when did you turn 40? You know, like, wait, so how old am I? Right. 
Um, but also like the, the growth of those relationships and the evolution of the relationship, how has that played out in your relationship with your sister? Do you only have one sister? Do you have, I I only have one, I have a, my sister's 12 years older than me and my brother's eight years older than me. And, And one of the things that, you know, is really remarkable is there's been times in our life where that age gap is just enormous, right? Um, and for me, I think I spent a good portion of like my adolescence and my early twenties, um, feeling like I had to play catch up and I could never catch up. <laughs> like, wait, I, 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 you know, I don't have a partner. I don't have a child. I don't have all these things that, you know, seemed right. Um, and so it was only really actually sort of when I post-divorce in my forties, where I actually, um, I had to move out of our home in order to sell it. (laughs) Um, Divorce, divorce, divorce. Um, And I saw this listing for a rental cabin in this little, um, it's a little hamlet. It's a really small little town called La Honda, which is halfway between, it's, it's over the, over the coastal mountains, almost, you know, about 20 minutes from the coast. Um, And so I, call my sister and I said, does this address sound familiar? Like, where is this in La Honda? And she said, it's next door. I her know. house? Yes. And she oh said, yeah, it's next door. So I rented it. So for two years, I lived next door to my sister and um, we even built steps um, in the hillside so I could walk up and down from my house to their house. Um, and we had dinner together almost every night. And um, we, we drew so close during that period. And it did not seem like there was any age difference because she was still teaching. I was teaching, you know, we had, we just sort of at the time telescoped. And then in the last, since she retired in the last like 10 years, it's opened up again where there's a big gap again. Um, And where our perspectives aren't the same, but luckily the intimacy that we forged in that time when we lived essentially live together in two separate houses um that's never gone away and we you guys probably haven't come to this point in your life but we've done um a let's see it's been so for the last almost 15 years of our life no for the last 15 years of our lives we our partnership has revolved around elder care mm. my mom had alzheimer's then my dad, after she died, my dad had strokes. And so he had vascular dementia. Um, and now like next Tuesday, we, we've went up to my aunt is in place in Marin County. So we've had to drive an hour and a half to go take care of her. She's 96. So that's, that, you know, that is the responsibility piece. And trust me, there's not a lot of joy in there. Um, but um, that's meant that, you know, we have to negotiate the way partners negotiate. We have to be on the same page to be good caregivers. And so, you know, it, it actually, we haven't even talked about this, but I think what really draws you closest is conflict. And when you think about your siblings, there's, um, there is plenty of conflict going yes. over the years, <laughs> right? But I mean, there's also that fierce loyalty that you feel. Mm-hmm. I thought that when you were talking about your siblings and you go, wait, how did you get to be in your forties? The other thing that kind of happens to me is um, I'll have this moment where it's like the person in front of me, I, especially my brother, less so my sister, all of a sudden he's not, you know, 74, but 18, you know, all of a sudden, or 24, like all of a sudden I have this image of him as this long haired hippie, (laughs) right. And, and it's like the two people coexist in the same body. Um, And so maybe this is a function of being, you know, the age I am a lot later is the past, you know, what Faulkner said, the past isn't even the past. You know, when he asked, it was asked if the past will repeat itself. He's like, what do you mean? The past isn't even the past. Like it's with us. Right. Right. It's, you know, and in this case, it's in our DNA. Yeah. Literally a really beautiful kind of analogy for kind of to explain how aging feels, isn't it? (laughs) Like we're, we're coexisting in different 
spaces in different parts of our lives is a really cool way to think of it and a really cool way to um, like vocalize it is, is, and it makes so much sense. Cause how many times have you heard someone say, well, I feel 20, I feel this, I feel that. And it's like, wait a minute, let's give that some stock. Like that's because you are, you know, did you see there was a, an article in the Atlantic um, a few months back where they literally explored this thing? They they did research and found that most people have like a self-image that's sort of stuck, mm-hmm. like, you know, stuck at 32, even though they're 64 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah was- I did read that. It was an awesome, awesome it article. Was. It was. But I th- I feel like you just pulled it together for me because in my mind, I was like, well, that's just like a trick. Our minds are playing on us, blah, blah, blah. But really, if you think about that, it's in the in the terms of, you know, the past is is it does live in us. Right. I mean, that's just like science, biology, all of the things to combined. Um, it almost like gives a I don't, I don't know if permissions the word, but for me, it kind of add some context to how can I feel this other age when I am this age. And I anticipate that the older I get, I will feel a variety. I mean, I'll continue to feel that way. Um, So yeah, thanks for that. That's actually, that was awesome. Awesome for me. Super powerful. What do you think the difference is between someone that says, I feel like I'm 25 versus someone that maybe really feels embodied in their older age and they're feeling the effects of that. Like, is that mindset? Is that the environment they're in? Is that physical, like their bodies? Like, I'm curious, why do we see such a stark difference in humans and how they view themselves at their age? So I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of a single example of someone I know who really actually inhabits their actual chronological age. Can you think of anyone? It's a really good question. I mean, trust me, my 96 year old aunt refuses to inhabit. (laughs) (laughs) I keep telling you, you have to accept there's some limitations now to what you can do, you know? (laughs) Um, I I feel like the only people I know that inhabit their, their chronological age are like children. Yeah. Well, except the sad thing is when you're a child, you're always aspiring to be older. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I feel like there's a, there's a shift though. I don't know. Like, I feel like my six-year-old niece is like so present in where she is and she never, ever, ever talks about being older. But like my eight-year-old nephew is like, well, I'm going to be nine. Oh wait, he is nine. He'd be terrified that I said he was eight. (laughs) Right. He'd be so offended. So, so that's interesting. That makes me wonder if that's just a, that's just who she is as a human. Yeah. And, and so there's gotta be more people out there. I, I definitely have a couple of friends that are like, oh, I feel all of my 36 years or something like that. <laughs> and when they say that, I think they had a hard night. I know. I kind of be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have had that fourth or fifth drink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so probably feel a lot younger today. That's, a, that's actually a great, great transition into a question that I was going to ask and I wasn't sure when it would come up or how it would come up, but, um, okay. So that, that makes me think physical. So, so we, Kelly and I have talked a lot about this, like amongst between the two of us and with other guests of like physically, how do you think about age? Like in the way that it presents itself in your body, in, in the way you look, in the way you feel, et cetera. Like how does physicality come into it? for you? And maybe how has that evolved as you've aged? So earlier you were talking about choosing, like Mm -hmm. choosing an identity, right? So in 2013, I know this because my son's 10th anniversary was last week. In 2013, I made an extremely deliberate choice um, in anticipation of my son's wedding, um, where, I mean, I was still so you you talked about this a little bit, Kelly, you know, that year of grieving and anger. Um, I was still pissed off enough <laughs> that I was motivated to kind of deliver an FU message um, to my ex in particular. Um, and so I went to my hairstylist and I said, 
I'm done with coloring my hair for good. I'm done. Mm. And he said, all right, then <laughs> let's do it. Um, and, and that first, you know, that like it was a process. I didn't even realize it was a process. Like you didn't get to just sort of stop, you know, he had to bleach out the color and blah, blah, blah. But I showed up at my son's wedding with pretty much like my hair has been white a long time. It, there is very little brown in my hair anymore. Um, and it's been like that ever since. So people make assumptions immediately about my age because I have white hair. And they usually, they probably age me by 10 years. Right. Um, and sometimes I get a little prickly. I get a little offended. Like, um, I adopted a dog <laughs> and pets in need, the, the adopting agency, as I was going through the process, I've said, so what should I make the checkout for? You know, how much is the adoption fee? And they said, oh, you know, we have this thing called seniors for seniors. You don't have to pay anything because she's 10 and, you know, you're a senior. I said, I'm not a senior. Oh, my gosh. And they said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not 65. Like, isn't, you know, if you're a senior, you're over 65. I like, don't get any of the discounts. Trust me. Turns out they, they cut it off at 60. So it was, they were not really insulting me. But it was a moment I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. I was really pissed. Yeah. (laughs) But so that in itself, like you can, in making that kind of deliberate choice, like I'm going to have white hair. Um, and now post pandemic, it's really common, but boy, before the pandemic, I really stood out in my age group because most women color their hair. So there's that, okay. There's like just having, and I mean, I have to tell you in college, I was a punk. I mean, literally a punk. Like I was, um, I, I had, I hung out with these two garage bands called the spoilers and the rotters. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) The rotters even had a, a, their, um, there oilers and the rotters Oilers and the rotters yes um the rotters um had a a hit single called sit on my face stevie nicks oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i heard that song you hung out with those guys i dated that singer oh my gosh that's his name is but he went by fester swollen (laughs) oh my goodness that is so good that is so good Anyway, I mean, so some of my attitude is like always been my attitude, which is I don't, I'm not wearing makeup. I'm a weird. I mean, I told my students like I, I you will see me in a dress twice for, you know, for back to school night and open house, <laughs> maybe graduation. I wear dresses for funerals and weddings, like otherwise not at all. So some of it is a choice physically. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm knocking on wood. I'm really healthy. I mean, and again, some of that's a choice. I'm healthy because I choose to be healthy. Um, but also I, I'm, I have good genes. I'm, I have a, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not falling apart yet anyway. Um, but I do think going back to the invisibility, um, I don't visually register for people as an attractive, um, I was gonna say woman, but I would even say human being, right? Um, and it's only if you are actually having a conversation, if you get, you know, and, and then people are very friendly and whatever, because I'm very friendly. But um, otherwise, you know, really I could move through the world and nobody would turn their head. Um, and I do think that's a function of age. Um, yeah, yeah, and less of a, I think I think I want to push back a little on the attractive part because I don't think that really is like what what um is at play here. I feel like it really is a we have this thing and and I don't I don't know, I just like my general perception of how people are that we see like we we see like white hair um we see maybe I don't know the way someone dresses, etc and we kind of like have this thing that happens where we register like someone's age immediately, like whatever comes in our head. Right. And yeah, it's more of like that sort of, okay, calculation, blah, blah, blah. That's not someone I normally talk to or spend my time talking, you know, with or whatnot. And so it's like a, a a subconscious, like pass by. Right. 
Yeah. We Fair enough. Yeah. 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 So I, I just wanted to push back on that a little. <laughs> I think. Well, it's but don't you think that is not as true for men as for women? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that is a extremely valid point. Um, you know, and, and some people, you know, they, they attract attention by, um, with like the clothes they wear or with, um, you know, maybe a wild haircut or wild color, you know, so very much more like style. Um, and that can obviously draw an eye, but yeah, I do feel like men don't get that as much as women for sure. Like we are immediately assigned a value yep. by the way we look, the way we act and even the way that we freaking walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we have a cute dog with us, we got lots of value, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's Leanne, just wild. Leanne, I have a question for you. We're, I'm shifting subjects just a tad, but I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on this. I have to imagine at, at your age, and I know you said you're still working. Um, I imagine you get approached about retirement and what are your plans for retirement and what does that look like and when, and I'm so curious to just get your perspective on the concept of retirement period. And also like anything personal that you want to share about retirement for yourself. So, um, (laughs) let me, let me just be really straight. Retirement is terrifying. Um, and it's it's something I'm wrestling with and have been wrestling with for a couple of years. Um, I, the way that, you know, teachers retirement works in um, when I started teaching, et cetera, et cetera. Like I've been eligible to retire for at least, let's see, for um, almost three years. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, something I'm thinking about. The funny thing is people don't say to me, when are you going to retire? Um in the sense of get out of the way. Um, I think that's partly because I'm, I'm really caring a lot for my colleagues. Um, I'm on our, I'm on the executive board of our union. So, uh, and on the, and on the negotiating team. So I am literally negotiating for them to get better salaries, for example. Um, And I'm pretty sure like, you know, that's something most people value. Um, and then I'm also the department chair. And so I've got, I've got all these roles. Um, and so I'm not getting like a push to retire. It's an internal push. Um, and I, I'll be super honest. Um, for a long time, I was tying a retirement date and the idea of retirement to this idea that somehow my son and his wife would sort of find where they were going to be, um, because like actually settling and maybe have a child and that wherever that was, that's where I want it to be too. You know, I mean, even I have to, if I have to move across the country and it's only in the last year really that I've had to just embrace the idea that that is not, that is not going to get resolved um, in the time frame of my retirement that they're, um, they're both professors. They don't have tenure. I don't know if they're going to have kids and I'm not, I'm really careful not to push that as much as I can control myself. Um, And so that just can't be a factor. Right. Um, So the, the real, so it really, it's scary because it comes down to a completely internal choice. When do I want to retire? What, what are the circumstances? Like, what do I want that to look like? Do it like I would, it would be awesome to not fully retire. Um, and there is a program for that um, called the Willie Brown um, Act, but I'm not, I think I'm not eligible because of vagaries of employment, like one one semester where I only taught four classes instead of five. That screwed me over. Oh my gosh. Um, I am not kidding you. Um, I know. So, so it, it's um this, and and making the you know making choices are, are that's horrible and doing those that doing that decision making by myself is also horrible like there's no partner to take into account you know it's not really i you know my closest intimates are my son and my sister and you know they n- neither one of them is really weighing in so i have to make this decision and there's good reasons on both sides. I've never been good at the pro con thing. I suck at that kind of rational thinking. 
I make Procon lists and then I'm like, I still have no idea. Like it doesn't, there, it's pretty balanced. Like there's no, there's no answer here. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I think that the thing about retirement is if you are an active and, um, and like both active intellectually and active physically, like if you are somebody who needs, you know, stimulation, what you were talking about earlier, I think, um, of, you know, looking for um, that energy, right? Then you, then if you're going to retire, you have to find a whole set of things that you're going to do instead of, right? Because I let work drive my life, I, I confess. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have, I, it's not, um, it's an uncomfortable subject. Yeah. Really uncomfortable. Um, I and a scary prospect. Yeah, I can only imagine. I was listening to the, it's really interesting. You said, you talked about decision-making just then, because this morning I was listening to, I was doing my meditation and my meditation this morning, I do a guided one was, uh, focused on decision-making and I didn't choose it for any other reason than I just kind of closed my eyes and was like, oh, I can't decide what to do this morning, which cracked me up. <laughs> and then I looked down and I was like, oh, maybe I should look at that. Maybe I should listen to that one. Um, but long story short, I think the most poignant piece of the meditation was when he, the, the host or the narrator said, you know, we are, we're so afraid of decisions because we might make the wrong one, right? When, when in reality, there is no wrong decision. It's just a decision. But his, I think the piece that really stuck with me, like the visual for me was when he said, when you're standing at the fork in the road, you're still making a decision. No matter how long you stand there, you're deciding to stand there. Yep. And, and that it's, he talked about decision-making as like a exercise, right? Like a, like physical exercise. The more you do, the better you get at it. It still scared the shit out of me for sure. <laughs> When he, you know, I'm like, I'm still not going to be good at decisions, but I did love that visual of like, oh, okay. So standing at those crossroads. Um, yeah. Standing still, maintaining stasis is just as much a decision, which yeah. is actually, okay. Thanks for that. Because that's what I'm doing. Yeah. What are, so what I, are your, where, like, if you, what I'm if, sitting on right now in your wildest dreams, like, what does that process look like for you? What well, is I, I thought if I, you know, sometimes if we set ourselves an arbitrary deadline, um, somehow that helps. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, last year I said, absolutely. Next June, June, 2024, that's it. And I told everybody, I mean, I told my principal, I told, you know, I just told everybody like, I'm, this is my last year. And now as it approaches, I'm like, oh, no, I don't know if I want to, you know, be done in June. Like, I'm still, I got a lot, I, the, the number one poll, of course, is the kids. Um, and I still really like the kids. And this class that I taught is sophomores, they'll be seniors and I'll get to teach them. I mean, so mm -hmm. I don't know that there's, I, I look at it and really just with fear and trepidation, which would say, don't do it, right? But on the other hand, it also seems, um, it, it, I'm holding my own self back. Like there is undoubtedly a step in, if you will, sorry for to use jargon, but in self-actualization, right? That um, really is, you know, it means stepping into the unknown. It means doing something that is, that seems like there's no, there's nothing on the other side. But until I, I, I know, I thought I, you know, I know once it, I, I just, I'm going to have to do kind of cold Turkey, you know, like go, okay, I signed the paper. That's it. Right. Man. This is so good, Leanne. And I'm like over here restraining myself from putting my coach hat on. And I promise I will not put my coach hat on since this is our podcast. No, coach, I'm, coach. She's <laughs> a really good coach, Leanne. She is. Yes, surely. I'm just like holding you in such a warm hug right now, just feeling the internal battle that you're having with yourself over this like okay, here's the known. The known is my career that I've been doing forever and I'm comfortable with it. And I, I know when I go to work every day, I know when it's summer break and I, I know, I know, I know. And then there's this other thing that's like looming 
almost like a ticking time clock, even though it doesn't really have to be. Um, society makes it seem like it has to be a ticking time clock of like, you have to decide by 65 or whatever the age is. And there's this like unknown, as you said, this fear of the unknown, what is this going to look like? Um, so I, I would just invite you like when we're done with the podcast to like, really like sink into why would you want to retire? What's the why, why would you want to keep working? you know, and really explore like what's underneath that fear. What is the fear about transitioning from career to retirement? And also like, what does retirement actually mean? Like maybe you get to define it however the hell you want, right? Like you can keep working and call it retirement. Maybe there's something else that's like super fun and exciting that you've always wanted to do. Who knows? But, um, I digress. I take my coach hat off, but I'm like, like I said, holding you in a huge warm hug as you're like, thank you (laughs) back and forth with yourself. And I'm so excited to see what ends up happening and when, and can't wait. I love that idea. I really love that idea that you just said, like Leanne, you had mentioned that you really don't do the pro and con thing like that. That's not your jam. I'm, I'm the same way. I've tried it a bazillion times. It never works. I'm always going to choose the one with more cons for some reason. (laughs) Um, So it's just like step away. But I do, I like the reframe of that from Kelly of taking the, like, why retire? Why stay? Why? Yeah. You know, versus a pro and con. It's just like, these are both super great choices. Either one's going to be a fine choice. It's just, uh, but the, but the why behind it is probably the big thing. Yeah. Well, the pro and con is strictly intellectual and Mm -hmm. as human beings, we're far more multifaceted and multidimensional than just like our brains. And so when we are coming to this place of big life decisions, like that has to be felt deeper than just the intellectual level, which is why I'm also not a fan of the pros and cons. (laughs) (laughs) But what I was going to say, I wish the thing I wish I had um, were more models. Do you know what I mean? Like we were, we started this conversation talking about older women being invisible. Right. And um, about like, that I mean, the whole concept of the podcast is you're young for your age. So I don't know people that have retired that I, shall I say this? It sounds terrible, but that I admire. Mm, it's actually awesome vulnerability right there. <laughs> I mean, I know people who have retired, but I'm a little, you know, maybe I'm, I, this, uh, this, maybe I'm a little judgmental or condescending, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to go play pickleball every day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like if retirement is that, and that's what people tell me, like the people, the teachers that I've talked to, it's like, well, you know, it's really hard for the first six months, but then you get a routine. And, you know, one teacher said to me, yeah, I go to the gym three days a week. And, and it, it feels like filling time rather than being, you know, productive. And that, I mean, again, that goes with this whole societal concept of age where it's like, you know, oh, you turn a, turn a certain age and you're no longer expected to be a productive member of society. You get to retire, you know, which means leisure activities. And I, I don't, I don't play golf. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to find some other path. Of course, what we all seek in life is meaning and purpose, right? And I want to find a path that where there is meaning and purpose in whatever it's going to be the last, you know, fifth or a quarter or however much, however many years I have left. I don't want it to be um, marking time. I want it to be um, meaningful. Um, my time is meaningful and I'm doing something that has, that sustains me um, emotionally and intellectually, both things. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. Kelly, you can see it, right? This is like why when I was talking to her on the bus, I'm like, we're all feeling the same freaking thing. It doesn't matter what age we're at. It's it. Yes, you're at a different phase or quote unquote in life than maybe I am than maybe Kelly is. But we're all we you know, that's how you think at the crux of it. We're like feeling that 
you know, beautifully, you've found something that fulfills you in a lot of ways in, in teaching. That's so cool. That's just really special. I think, um, where I feel, I, I definitely personally feel like I find pieces that fulfill me, but there's not a big, like why it's just, you write, you yes, write the right, the writing when I am doing it consistently helps me a lot for sure. And that's because of Kelly, Kelly got me writing again. So <laughs> I, I just have to point that out. Um, and you, I mean, you, you even told me like one of the things that you've aspired to someday is to write, is to write, to write a, you know, a novel, to write, just use that skill that you've been teaching everyone else, um, and, and see it come to fruition in a different way. But I definitely just so appreciate that, that openness and like what you're seeking and not, not to fill time, but to actually have it be meaningful, man, that's, that's big. That's big. Leanne, this is a question that we ask all of our guests. And so we have to to throw this one at you. But when Dreej came to me with the idea of this podcast, um, some of it was driven off of this quote by Krista Tippett that says, everyone gets older, but not everyone becomes an elder or some people grow older or not everyone becomes an elder, something yeah. along those lines. I totally butchered that by the way. Sorry, everybody. Um, so we sat with that for the first episode of this podcast and we really kind of like dissected what our perspective was, what she meant by that. And I'm curious to hear from you. What does becoming an elder mean to you? That's a tough question. Um, seems almost antithetical to what I'm striving to do <laughs> um, in the sense that when I think of becoming an elder, um, I mean, unfortunately, like what comes to mind is sort of um, I, on a positive sense, wisdom, right? Um, and that you have some wisdom that has come from experience, from a lifetime of experience, but on the negative sense, um, and this is where my mind went right away, is stasis is, um, you know, sort of um, not want, not, not launching into new adventures, not, um, not like being kind of shrunken into yourself um, rather than open to new experiences. So um, I almost would flip it on its head instead of saying, you know, not everyone gets to become an elder. Um, I mean, I, I, I want to say, you know, maybe it's, um, especially in the context of our whole conversation, maybe the, the real goal should be to age physically to age in your body, but to keep reaching for youthful um, for a youthful perspective. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. I love that so much and not a perspective we have heard yet. No, no, that's pretty damn beautiful. Um, I, I think Leanne, I think what, uh, I have to say after that, and after this whole conversation is that you say that one of the problems, um, one of the struggles you're having with trying to make this decision of, you know, whether retiring or when, or not, is that you just don't, you don't have a model for that. You haven't seen that person that you are just like, wow, I want to do that. I want to do it that way. Um, I think the reason is because you are the model. I mean, oh. you, I, you are, you have, I think that is going to be your purpose. I really like, I get chills when I think about it, but I really believe that the purpose of your retirement is going to be to model it better for other people. Oh, that's, I mean, that's all, that's, that's all she wrote. <laughs> that's a lovely, a lovely thought. Thank you for that. I, I will treasure that. And it might help me to progress. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, to follow Kelly's advice of the wise and to move forward. Um, yeah. I really appreciate it. I have no doubt that, um, if we're still running, doing this podcast in a year, we're going to come back to you and see where you're at, <laughs> see what you're doing. Um, totally rad if you're still teaching, but I feel like you're going to be like, also like pursuing another, 
uh, I don't know, piece of your fulfillment, which is really just wonderful. Um, so. We could probably talk for another hour. Yes. I'm like, no, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but I, we, we do have to wrap it up. So I am going to thank you immensely for joining us. Um, I think I can speak for Kelly in that this was a, a kind of shot in the dark, but I felt so strongly about having you join us at some point that I'm, I'm just so grateful that we uh, did and that we were able to connect and you were so generous with your time. So thank you. Um, I am thank going you. The invitation just blew me away and, and I was extremely flattered. Like, wow, <laughs> imagine somebody thinks I have something to contribute. That was just incredible. So much to contribute. So Thank you everyone for joining us for this amazing episode of Young for My Age. I think I can speak for all of us when I say that this, this has been an extremely inspiring conversation that I hope you all listeners want to share with someone that you know. So please, um, you know, text this episode to someone, share it on your social media, whatever your, your jam is. We would appreciate the love. And, you know, as always, in the meantime, Age like you mean it. That was beautiful. If you'd like to reach us, please email at yfmapod at gmail.com. That's yfmapod at gmail.com.